0: Amen to that. Thank you, Tina, for leading us in prayer. And ladies, happy Mothering Day. And very good morning to all of you and to you online too. It's great to be with you all today. Today, we conclude our sermon series on the three essential prayers. Now, here is a test for you. What is the first essential prayer? Help. Wonderful. Lord, help me. Have mercy on me. I am poor and needy. The second one, Pastor Wade preached on that. Thanks. God has heard our cry for help and help is on the way. And the response is we show gratitude. We say thank you, God, for the gift that you have given to us. And today we are looking at the third and final essential prayer of of the entire series, a mini-series, the WOW Prayer. You know, wait, forgive me because it has been a while since I preached in person. <laughs> oh, and um, can I have the timer started so I don't have people throwing things at me? <laughs> okay. Um, okay, nope, that's going to... All right, so what is that? What is a wow prayer? You know, you might be wondering, like, help prayer? Okay, I think I get that. Thanks prayer. I think I get that, but wow prayer? What is that? But of course, um, the Shine Kids video, we got a glimpse of that. But we're gonna dig more into it today. So let us pray before we begin. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we, we have the, um, the privilege to even sit here um, to hear your word, Lord. May your Holy Spirit inhabit the word um, that I'm going to speak today through this fallible vessel. But your word, God, has power. So come and dwell amongst us. Inhabit this space. Amen. Okay, so the wow prayer is a prayer of adoration and praise for who God is, for his character. And why is the wow prayer essential? Two reasons. One, when things are good, when you've asked for help, and you know God, God comes through the way that you wanted Him to, and a wow prayer helps you to praise God for who God is, for His character, which is not necessarily the same as adoring and praising God for all the wonderful things that He can give us or do for us although that is important, and we should always do that. Do you see the difference? So so it's something like this. A wild prayer goes beyond the gifts to the giver himself. It focuses our worship on God alone, and not only what we can get from him or what he can do for us. He simply deserves to be praised and adored for who he is. Yeah? Yeah? <laughs> yeah? And the second reason, and the very important reason, is in praising God for who He is that we are reminded of who God really is. I'll repeat that. It's in praising God for who God is that we are reminded of who God really is. It keeps us from a false or a misguided image of him. And it helps us to fall in love with him again and again, clinging unto him, trusting him, trusting his goodness, even when we are struggling and even when we don't understand. Okay, so I think it's really easy to praise God when when we are in a season of abundance, when God gives us the stuff that I ask for, like a promotion, a relationship. Hmm. Or perhaps a parking spot. So I have this friend in Vancouver, and every time he finds a free parking space in downtown Vancouver, he goes, praise the good Lord. (laughs) See, I mean, we praise God for everything, and we should, and we should give thanks and praise him for all things big and small. But is it not true that it's easy to be wowed by God when things go our way? But when things get tough, when we don't get the stuff that we ask for, or when he doesn't come to our rescue the way we hope, it's quite a bit harder to be wowed by him. I know what it's like to be disappointed, to experience God not coming through for me many times in my life, in fact. One of them being, I'm going to share this because it's Mother's Day today, so I'm reminded of a miscarriage I suffered many years ago. I had prayed and prayed, and yet it happened. What I've had to work through over the years is how is God good all the time? How is God good all the time and not just some of the time when things go well? you know we say and sing right and we well, hopefully we believe what we say and sing that god is good all the time and all the time god is good. yes which means that when someone celebrates a healthy baby being born god is good yes? yes of course and when someone has a miscarriage god is see this is not even easy to say right god is still good God is still good. Yes. But God, how are you good in my bad situation? Why should I still praise you when I'm feeling awful? What makes you praiseworthy all the time? And this is not to take away, you know, the power of lament, prayer of lament. I mean, I go there a lot. But you see, a wow prayer is essential when things are not good. I know it's counterintuitive, but it's essential because praising God, as I said earlier, for who he is, reminds us that he is good, and God is good because of his character. It's what makes him trustworthy, as we shall see here in our passage today. So we are looking at Psalm 145, um, and this psalm appears in the Jewish prayer book more than any other psalm. And in this psalm, we see two things, okay? So, I need two hands for this. One, God's character being adored and praised because something good has happened. Two, God's character being adored and praised because things are not where they are supposed to be. So this is a time when Israel is allowed to return to Jerusalem, their homeland, from the exile in Babylon. They could now dwell in Jerusalem once again. That's a good thing. But it's not like before. Foreign power now occupies Jerusalem. They are subject to foreign rule. That's not the good thing. So Quan will now read the psalm for us, all oh, 21 verses. Let us meditate on these words of praise.
1: 25 verses 1 to 21. I will extol you, my God, O King. I will praise your name continually. Every day I will praise you. I will praise your name continually. The Lord is great and certainly worthy of praise. No one can fathom his greatness. One generation will praise your deeds to another and tell about your mighty acts. I will focus on your honor and majestic splendor and your amazing deeds. They will proclaim the power of your awesome acts. I will declare your great deeds. They will talk about the fame of your great kindness and sing about your justice. The Lord is merciful and compassionate. He is patient and demonstrates great loyal love. The Lord is good to all and has compassion on all he has. great loyal love. The Lord is good to all and has compassion on all he has made. All your works will give thanks to you, Lord. Your loyal followers will praise you. They will proclaim the splendour of your kingdom. They will tell about your power, so that mankind might acknowledge your mighty acts and the majestic splendour of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an eternal kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord supports all who fall and lifts up all who are bent over. Everything looks to you in anticipation and you provide them with food on a regular basis. You open your hand and fill every living thing with the food it desires. The Lord is just in all of his actions and exhibits love in all he does. The Lord is near all who cry out to him, all who cry out to him sincerely. He satisfies the desire of his loyal followers. He hears their cry for help and delivers them. The Lord protects all those who love him, but he destroys all the wicked. My mouth will praise the Lord. Let all who live Praise his holy name forever. This is the word of God.
0: Thank you for the word of God. Wow, what a magnificent and exuberant praise psalm we have here. But you might be thinking, wow, that's so long. But you know what? It does take the whole psalm for us to feel the author's awe and admiration for God. He's truly wowed by who God is. Now let's take a look as to why he might have been so wild. Okay, so we're going to start in the middle of the psalm, okay? So this psalm is poetry, and it has a structure where the climax is located in the middle of the poetry in verses 11 to 13. we told that God is king and sovereign over all his creation. The universe, the world, which sounds wonderful, doesn't it? And then we say all the time, like, you know, especially when we don't understand why things happen the way they do, and we need, we need reassurance, or maybe we need to reassure others. So, for example, the Ukraine-Russian war. We have prayed so many prayers, appealing to God's sovereignty, and taking comfort in God's sovereignty when we don't understand. Because the fact that God is sovereign seems to be a comforting thing. But it is only comforting if God is good, right? Now, what do I mean by that? That he is consistent, that he is who he says he is, that he does what he says he'll do, that he cares and he loves. Can you imagine having a God who is sovereign over the world, but who is fickle, who does not keep his word, who is cruel and vindictive, and you need to do things to appease this God all the time? Would you feel secure? What good gifts can we expect from this God if our flourishing is not on His agenda? What comfort can this God bring, bring us in times of trials and dark seasons? What hope can we expect for this world that is so full of brokenness and injustice? What hope can I, Brenda? have for all the events and stuff in my life that have yet to see redemption and restoration. Maybe yours too. But our God, our God, the one true king of the universe, whose sovereignty is over all, he's not like that. What's he like? What's God's character? The psalm describes God's attributes at length. Now going back to the top part of the psalm. In verses 4 to 9, he is full of kindness and justice, and he is good to all, and he cares for all that he has created. He is merciful and compassionate. He is patient, slow to anger. In fact, God describes himself that way, Mount Sinai, in Exodus 34. And the psalm goes on to describe the kind of actions that flow out of a God with attributes like that. And that's the lower part of the psalm. We are told that God supports and lifts up those who are struggling. He provides and protects. And he is just and kind in his ways. And he hears and comes near to those who cry out to him for help. And he judges. He is, after all, full of justice. This, this is our God. The one who is sovereign overall. He is who he says he is. His actions are consistent. There is integrity in his character. And that makes him trustworthy. We can trust his character. And more importantly, well, no more importantly, equally importantly, we can trust his intentions. You know, someone once said that intentions Are invisible, but they are the true test of character. Intentions are invisible, but they are the true test of character. Well, I think it's a great test, but I think the true test is something else. If you stay with me, it shall be revealed later. But trust is a difficult thing for people, has always been, since the first humans rebelled against God. But you know what, I don't think I've seen so much and I've seen and experienced so much distrust until this pandemic, not just in Hong Kong, but in the world. Everyone has a theory about everything. Why certain measures are introduced? What's the reason behind the actions to, to, to fight this pandemic? Is it to hide things? To save face, To defuse responsibility? AKA CYA? Or is it truly to benefit people? And if so, which group? And this uncertainty of intentions behind all the actions makes us nervous, makes us anxious. You know, truth be told, I've never known anxiety. I mean, I've been through lots of stuff in my life, lots. But I've never really known anxiety like I know anxiety now. It just slowly eats you up. Maybe you feel the same way too. But you know what? We can rest in God's good intention. God intends goodness, wholeness, healing, justice, and flourishing for His creation. Now, you may not know the exact reason behind some of God's actions, but you certainly do not have to guess the goodness of his intention. We can rest in God's good intention and the integrity of his character. And that is reason enough to hope. Israel praises God for, for for liberating them from Babylon, but continues to hope for the day when the kingdom of the king finally comes. This king, the king who is sovereign over the world, who is kind and compassionate and slow to anger and powerful. And there is no uncertainty there at all because not only does this God, this God intend good things and does good things, he is also powerful. He can change things. He can make things happen. All that need to happen for the world to be good again, all that need to happen for my life and all the events in my life to have any hope of redemption, he can make happen and yours too because he is mighty and powerful. But here comes what I believe to be the greatest test of God's character. Robert Ingerthall says this while he was uh, commenting on Abraham Lincoln, I believe the 16th president of the United States. Nothing discloses real character like the use of power. It is easy for the weak to be gentle. Most people can bear adversity. But if you wish to know what a man really is, and women too, give him power. This is the supreme test. God is trustworthy. He can be trusted because among other great tests of his character, he took his own power. And allow it to be subjugated, to be put beneath, even below, and under the control of his own creatures, his creation at the cross. God came in the person of Jesus Christ. It was it's not like, oh, you know, you go, you go, but God Himself, God Himself decided to do that. He came in the person of Jesus Christ. And you see, when we go beyond the gifts to the giver, we realize that the giver is actually the greatest gift of all. And the kingdom has come, is coming, and will come in full with complete certainty. If that doesn't make him worthy to be praised, to get out, wow, I don't know what does. Can we turn to that amazing, awesome God now? Can we go before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who is worthy of our highest praise and adoration, and tell him who he is in all his majesty and glory, who he is to us in whatever state we are in, in whatever condition you find yourself in this morning? and whatever you might need him for. You know, the wild prayer lets us simply praise him for who he is, and that's wonderful. But it actually also leads us back into true thanks and any pleas that we have to ask him to help us because when we look at him, when we gaze at his amazing, wonderful face, we realize that he is compassionate, and he invites us into his presence in whatever state that we are in. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray, and then we are going to go into a time of reflection, um, a time of ministry and prayer. Um, after I pray, and I still music plays, you're welcome to come and take a leaf. Maybe you can write there, wow, and then fill it up. Or you can say, whatever God is stirring in your hearts, Let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit can do and needs to do. Let us pray. O gracious and almighty God, you are sovereign and supreme over all your creation. Your ways are higher than ours, and we could never, in our best moments here on earth, conceive of all your goodness and glory. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning. An ending of our every hope and dream. Yet you did not count yourself so great that you could not lead by serving your own creation. And in that one most significant act, you chose to make your own life the footstool for our journeys into life, into redemption and transformation that we might join you in so we lay down today, our pride, perhaps our stubbornness, but also our wounds, our fears, and maybe our disbelief at your feet. We bring them all to you. We say, "Almighty God, you are big enough, good enough, great enough, powerful enough, trustworthy enough. Today, every day forevermore in our pain and in our suffering in our wants and in our desires in our abundance and in our destitution we praise you because you are who
1: you are and you deserve our highest praise